welcome back to Just a Bite. Today I speak with Brittany Madison of Noble and Steve Wagner of UCAN Ohio to talk a little bit about their work engaging people with lived expertise into public policy and advocacy. Their organizations are really centered around making sure that folks who are affected by certain programs are being in the rooms where decisions are being made. Um, And I thought they would be the perfect people to speak with on that topic. Hi, Brittany. Thanks for joining me on Just a Bite. Um, Do you mind introducing yourself and giving some background on Noble and the work that you do? Yeah, so I'm Brittany Madison, uh, that she, her pronouns. Uh, My current position at Noble is one of the two organizers. Um, Noble stands for Northern Ohioans for Budget Legislation Equality. Uh, We do uh, predominantly do work around the state budget as it relates to health and human services and critical needs funding. Our four major focus areas right now are and have been for a while our Medicaid, public transportation, kinship care, and ARPA funds. Um, So yeah, we mainly are a group of folks impacted by these budget decisions, and we do advocacy work as appropriate to get things changed as it relates. Uh, We're located in uh, Cleveland, Ohio, but we do statewide advocacy work, nonetheless. Awesome, yeah. You guys live, you know, engaging people with lived expertise pretty much every day. Um, I know uh, that's becoming a little bit of a buzzword in advocacy and nonprofit circles. Um, And although I'm really happy about the national conversation around making sure that folks impacted by these policies are, you know, at the table or in in the rooms that uh, decisions are being made, Um, I know that we really have to be intentional um, about treating these relationships with care and not doing more harm than good. And like I said, Noble is a a really great model for that. So I was wondering, how can advocates make sure that we are providing information and especially resources um, necessary for folks with lived expertise um, to come to the table where advocacy and policy decisions are made? Yes, so thank you for the opportunity and for the warm introduction. Um, I'd say first and uh, foremost, um, we should involve impacted people in our work. Uh, So we should always be getting impacted people's opinions, feedback, et cetera, whenever possible. Um, Understanding there may be some limitations. Any organization, in my opinion, that's doing advocacy work should strive to have an impacted person at the decision-making table. I think it's important to let impacted people be the experts that they are. Um, Any type of advocacy opportunities are amazing. I would say that storytelling as an advocacy tool is extremely important and extremely effective. So as advocates, we should be constantly encouraging impacted people to tell these stories, tell their personal stories. Uh, 
while there may be many ways that we can support the development and the delivery of these stories, in my opinion, the stories themselves should be kept as raw as possible, let people really speak for themselves. Um, many lawmakers need to know the truth and who better to tell the truth than those impacted by the decisions that they're making every day. Um, the folks I work with at Novo, they're at all levels. Uh, they're far beyond my expertise on a lot of these issues that we're discussing because they're living it every single day of their life. Uh, thus, when I do work with them to prepare stories, especially for advocacy, I try to keep in mind that they are experts and I only add a few facts here and there where needed. Um, and I might help them with addressing the testimony to the right folks or with proper formatting. But outside of that, I let them purely tell their stories as is. Uh, my motto as an organizer is to let people tell you how you can help them and to never assume. Um, another part of that is access. So access is key, access to information. Um, as advocates, we need to make sure that any information that we are providing is comprehensible. Uh, policy can be very scary and intimidating for anyone, not just folks impacted. But, um, when you are collaborating with folks who have previously or are currently being impacted by poverty and everything that entails, you have to be even more mindful of all the barriers that exist when it comes to accessing information. Uh, that is being mindful that folks may have varying literacy levels, methods and styles of communication. I would say just try to be as inclusive as possible with any information that you are providing or any acts that you are making of these folks. Um, just for example, you might have a person that has a cell phone, but that cell phone might have limited minutes or limited texting capabilities. Um, or when you want to do a survey, uh, you have to keep in mind, for example, that you might be surveying older folks and they might not be as tech savvy. So you might want to offer a print version of that survey and or uh, offer to survey that person in person where, where possible. Um, I'll tell an example, for instance, at Noble, we have a steering committee member, one of our, I believe, nine steering committee members um, that currently lives in a homeless shelter. Uh, this person does not have a working cell phone and relies heavily on uh, free texting apps and also has limited um, internet capabilities. Uh, so with that person, for instance, I have to get extremely creative in my efforts to communicate with them, get information to them, et cetera. Um, it seems like it works best just to pick them up and take them to the office and drop them off when I'm done, uh, whenever I can facilitate that. But um, just be mindful of these different um, barriers. Uh, when it comes to policy in general, we as advocates try to provide, should try to provide as many fact sheets, summaries, one pagers, et cetera, et cetera, anything that's necessary for folks to completely understand the information we're trying to relate to them. Uh, the goal here is to make policy simple. Once that uh, comprehensible information is circulated, uh, we can support and help with the facilitation of safe spaces for folks to discuss ideas and the information that we are providing. Um, advocates and policy experts should mostly listen, but be willing to provide insight and strategy, strategy whenever necessary. Um, some helpful information that we can provide when trying to help affected people change policy um, include, like I said before, fact sheets, et cetera, um, any type of access to lawmakers and decision-making rooms that we can provide, such as date and times of hearings, contact information for lawmakers, assistance with writing and addressing 
and submitting testimony letters, et cetera, and then being able to with advance noting, notice, let them know of any upcoming advocacy opportunities. Um, if your resources at your organization uh, allow, advocates can support or facilitate trips for impacted people, such as to the state house, city hall, et cetera, for respective hearings, meetings, et cetera. I think pretty much all the, the main ways that I think we can be of assistance as advocates. Yeah. Have I missed anything? No, those are really helpful and really tangible. Um, I was wondering, how, how do you approach like supporting people with lived expertise in the you know emotional parts, dealing with reliving possible trauma from their either past experiences or current experiences and kind of having to reveal their some of the hardest parts of their lives to either lawmakers or maybe even the media. Um, how do you go about that? I myself, I think that a lot of this is just self-awareness, but mm -hmm. um, I myself just educate myself on a lot of trauma and things that exist in these communities, mental health, et cetera. Just know what you're getting yourself into when you're going into them. Um, I think mostly most people, though, they just, even with, you know, a lot of the trauma that they've experienced, et cetera, all they want is a ear. Mm -hmm. They just want support. Just listen. Um, that's key. Hear them out, listen to them, hear their stories, make sure um, you're letting them know that they're being heard, um, reiterating that and just being kind always. The normal things you would do with any normal human every day, you know, just be kind. Yeah, absolutely. I know that Noble brings together so many diverse experts and stakeholders, both diversity in background and also diversity in thought. Um, and, you know, you have so many issue areas that you're handling. Um, how do you balance these competing priorities and work together with a broad coalition, especially during budget season, which I feel like it's, you know, sometimes it's easier to get competitive than, you know, work together in coalition. Yeah, it can be. It can be competitive. It can be hard. You know, <laughs> working together in general is not the easiest thing with people. Everybody has different ideas, opinions, etc. Um, but at Noble, we try to be as mindful and as strategic as possible with any any partnerships we we engage in. Um, you know, we have a strong mission and goal, which is to bring the voices of impacted people uh, to the state budget process. Um, you know, we focus on health and human services and critical needs. Um, so, so while we're setting out to really appease a, a diverse group of people, we are unified in that we ultimately want more resources in the budget and budgetary um, decisions being made for low-income people and people living in poverty. Um, so, like first and foremost, if, if an organization doesn't seem to align there, we're not even gonna even consider that. Um, but then you have an issue where there are some organizations that do align there. Um, they do think that they're, you know, they do ultimately want security and stability for all Ohioans. The differences in, in their methods and how they achieve this goal. Um, and oftentimes what happens is that for political reasons, certain groups can't say certain things or go as far as they might need to go to really bring about change. Um, so I think at Noble, what we do is we recognize that 
Um, so we utilize those people where we can utilize them, but we stay true to our mission and our goal of, you know, economic security for uh, all Ohioans. Um, to some people, you know, we might come off as a little bit more radical or extreme than certain advocacy groups, but in reality, Noble is just a bunch of people speaking their truth. Thus, um, we're willing, in a sense, to go a lot further with our words and actions than similar advocacy groups. Uh, and in this world, it's a little bit, I think that people oftentimes have this idea that they want things to be done politically correct. Um, while Noble is interested in being political, we're not interested in being political correct. Um, and it's kind of hard to filter the truth. So if we are having issues, if we can't work with the group, it's usually for reasons like that. But I think if we can keep in mind this goal of, you know, economic security for everybody, then we're able to, we can work with anybody. We haven't seen any issues thus far. Um, and then as stated above, you know, we try to make anything that we have, any of our meetings, any of our events as, as accessible as possible for everybody. Uh, and that makes things a lot easier. Um, and, you know, we're always just checking in with folks, making sure that we are doing our job at, of letting them be heard, whether it's in a meeting or on the budget or whatever we're working on. So just trying to do those things, I guess. That's how we were able to work with diverse people. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, the best people, the best experts are the ones that are living um, this every day that are you know, having to navigate those systems for their families out of necessity. Um, and yeah, we're glad to be a partner with you and Noble. Um, and, you know, work for stability, economic stability and security for all Ohioans. I appreciate it. Um, lastly, could you share where the listeners can find you and your organization's work and maybe how they could get involved with Noble if they're interested? Yeah, so right now, I think the the, the one place where you can get all that, there's there's advocacy opportunities to sign up for. Um, there's all of our social media. There's my contact information and other contact information. If you go to our website, that's www.ohiobudgetequality.org. Um, that's going to be the easiest place to find all that. But if you have any questions you want answered right away or you want to talk to me any time of day, you can email me at ohiobudgetequality.org equality at gmail.com. I'm answering that on a daily basis. So feel free to reach out and I will be back in contact with you. Awesome. Thanks so much for talking to me today, Brittany. Thank you for having me. Hi, Steve. Welcome to Just a Bite. Um, do you mind starting off by introducing yourself and giving some background on UCAN and the work that your organization does? Sure. Um, this is Steve Wagner. I'm the executive director of the Universal Healthcare Action Network of Ohio. We've been around for about 26 years now, and our primary roles is about in assuring that people have access to affordable quality healthcare. So that can mean helping them to get connected with healthcare coverage like Medicaid or the 
Affordable Care Act coverage, or it can mean trying to help people figure out what kind of financial assistance policies there are with hospitals. We're trying to make sure that access is fair um, and appropriate for everyone given their circumstances. Awesome, yeah. Um, and you're a statewide organization, but you have some sort of grassroots um, organizers and navigators that are on the ground. Um, and I know that you work with a very diverse group of stakeholders. So I was wondering, how do you balance all these competing priorities and work together as a broad coalition? Um, I would assume that a lot of the issues or pain points would be pretty consistent across the state, but I'm sure there are some really unique challenges to meeting people where they're at and accessing healthcare region by region in Ohio. Yeah, uh, so I think broadly it's about, as you said, so what are the priorities and what's important now? Uh, it's a famous novel that talks about the most important uh, thing is the person in front of you and what they need at that moment kind of thing. So we have deliberately tried to be um, in places and connected with communities that are going to generally have the, the greatest needs. So for example, in the Columbus area, we have very deliberately uh, tried to find navigators, uh, people that help enroll in the ACA, uh, in the Somali community, in the Nepali community, um, Spanish-speaking navigators, so that we're actually getting into communities that haven't had uh, a great deal of outreach, certainly in their, a language that some, some consider primary, um, and, in, and in ways that are uh, culturally appropriate. So some of it's really just being there and present and able to listen and able to serve. And then the rest of it is what's important at the moment, right? Well, we're in open enrollment. So from November 1st until January 15th is people's opportunity to enroll in the ACA. And if they don't do so during that time, they have to wait a year unless you know, they have special circumstances. And special circumstances are like getting married or having a child or um, other life kind of ch changing events, losing a job with coverage. Um, so it's really, really important this time of year that we're spending a lot of our effort on uh, that open enrollment, being out there and connecting with people. So we're out there flyering, we're going to any events that are there, uh, sometimes we're sitting in, in a library lobby or uh, uh, at other places. So it is about letting people know that this is their chance to get health care coverage. Because unfortunately, without health care coverage, oftentimes it's pretty challenging for a person to get health care. There are some ways, you know, free clinics, uh, sliding fee scales, federally qualified health centers. But in terms of having good comprehensive coverage and access to care, uh, health insurance is pretty critical. So that's why we're, you know, that's why right now for two, uh, two plus months, that's the most important thing for us and how we'll stay engaged. That's our priority. 
And I think um, that's a really important important point to be in those communities um, that are usually underrepresented um, and you know having uh, materials that are culturally sensitive and in languages in their primary language uh, and things like that. So that's a great point. I am really excited about the work that you are doing with the with our association's health team in connecting kids to coverage. Um, and the advisory board that you all are putting together. Um, I know it's in, a, in the really er early stages, um, but I was wondering if you could maybe give some information about the advisory board and some of the work that is being done or will be done um, in, that, in that board setting. Yeah, the Connecting Kids to Coverage program is about uh, ensuring that uh, kids keep their healthcare coverage. And primarily in, in Ohio, that's, that's Medicaid coverage uh, and assuring that they have that. Um, the good thing in Ohio is across the United States for at least uh, during this COVID era that we've had, uh, people on Medicaid have not been um, taken off of Medicaid because of uh, what, the public health emergency. We will see that come to an end um, right now, it might not be until June of 2023, but at some point in time, it's going to be important that people go through the steps that Medicaid asked them to prove the doc, you know, provide the correct documents, all that kind of stuff. And we want to make sure that kids stay connected to that coverage. I will say that, uh, you know, one of the things that, uh, in coalition with partners right now. It's not part of the connecting kids to coverage because uh, that is about very direct services. But one of the things that's out there in advocacy is uh, trying to assure that kids keep coverage until the age of six. Uh, so if they're on Medicaid, they stay on Medicaid till the age of six. Uh, that makes sure that they stay healthy for those first six years that are pretty critical uh, for their physical and uh, emotional development. And, you know, it's just, it's a good investment in our future. So connecting kids for coverage is about making sure that kids either get connected if they don't have coverage or helping them to get connected. Some of that can be about making sure parents have coverage because parents that have coverage are more likely to, uh, uh, make sure that their kids have coverage and they're more likely to use that coverage for primary care visits and otherwise. So fa family health insurance is, is a, is a driver for the kids uh, getting good care. Now, the thing is, you know, uh, we don't necessarily know how that works in each community, right? Why people have challenges with coverage or, uh, have challenges in getting care, staying covered, getting enrolled. And so for us to help uh, the people in the communities that we're working with, we need to listen. We need to understand what's going on. And that's what the advisory committee is about. So it's about uh, hearing from the people in the community about the challenges that they have, uh, any potential solutions they see on how to assure that kids remain covered. Um, we continue to look for members to join that advisory committee. Uh, we recognize that, you know, uh, 
providing your knowledge, providing uh, your experience and your time uh, is worth something. And so we actually do provide uh, uh, what we call a stipend, but we uh, we provide some money for people uh, that are participating in the advisory committee to help to offset their their time that they're giving us and their wisdom and experience. Um, so if there's anybody that uh, has a child that's on Medicaid that's interested in, in participating in that, um, that's in the Columbus area, you know, we'd love to talk to you and see if you could become part of our advisory committee and help us to better understand uh, the challenges that uh, a parent with uh, a child on Medicaid faces. Yeah, and I'll, I'll make sure to put that information um, in the show notes with this episode that people, so that people can connect with that um, information and connect with us. Um, lastly, what advice do you have for organizations who would like to start um, engaging people with lived experience of poverty um, in their advocacy work or um, start sort of a grassroots um, portion of their organization? What, what advice do you have for them? Yeah, so one of the things to think about is that um, you're trying to tell their story, not that you're trying to convince them to help you. <laughs> and I say that to say that, for example, we um, might have a survey where you're uh, asking people to share their opinion of things. And you start out with all this demographic stuff. That's not important to them. That's, that's about helping you. What's important to them is being able to talk about the challenges that they have. And uh, that also can be about um, being very free with how you let them do that. So I'd say, you know, a very tactical recommendation is just, you know, if you're going to do a survey, give people the opportunity at the very beginning just to say whatever they feel. An open-ended question you know, what's the big challenge? What's the hardest thing you face? What, you know, that kind of piece so that people can, uh, from the very beginning, know that you're listening to them and what their challenges are. You can ask those other questions farther back. If they get to it, if they, you know, feel that they have more to say, they'll do that. Um, I know that's not always uh, from an epidemiology standpoint of, the way you're going to get complete filled out surveys, but you know this isn't this isn't research. This is about trying to help understand uh, the community that you're trying to serve, uh, and you're going to get that by um, making sure that everyone feels listened to from the beginning. I had uh, I I don't know how many people said it, but it was a thing when I started in public health and working with CDC and contaminated waste sites and um, risk communication. But um, it's always been said in those contexts, people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. And so um, the ideas about us trying to share with a community group about uh, uh, what's going on with Medicaid or the policy issues, is not as important as listening to them about the challenges 
that they face and fully understanding what those mean and what solutions they kind of see. Um, the, the translation of that into policy can happen later on, um, but the people you're working with need to know that you care about what the experiences are um, that they have. Yeah, I think there's a real trust there too that needs to be built um, and that that definitely comes with you listening um, and giving them an opportunity to speak what's on their mind instead of, you know, having them fit into some sort of box, you know. Right. Yeah, I, yeah, that's right. Are you A, B, C or none of the above? Exactly. Right. I, I think as well, um, it's finding the place that the person's comfortable in sharing or advocating. So we, uh, as an organization, would prefer that the consumers are very directly connected to the decision makers. And so that can be in personal meetings and coalitions and whatever. I mean, that's the best case scenario for us. If we can do anything to help or facilitate, that's great. And we get out of the way and let the people with the experience that are the experts uh, talk about it. You know, in some ways we do a disservice to the, the people that are impacted calling them stakeholders because in many respects, they're experts. And we're not shy about calling a physician or uh, or a researcher an expert, but uh, we also shouldn't be shy about calling a person with the lived experience an expert on the issue as well. Um, and so we try to get those experts, the people with the lived experiences connected, but sometimes they're just not comfortable with that or they don't have the time, can't travel to Columbus, uh, the General Assembly majority does not make it easy for people uh, to be able to make meetings, to be able to uh, provide input uh, in committees. Oftentimes, notices are pretty short, and uh, it's challenging to get down here. There's no opportunity for virtual meetings. Um, and so sometimes we have to carry that message, or sometimes we have to carry that message to the administration. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, there are many barriers, um, unfortunately, in the way there. Um, but I want to thank you so much for the work that you do and um, for really bringing those experts, um, whether their message or whether them themselves to, to share their message with um, the state house, the administration, um, and the general public. So um, lastly, could you share um, where the listeners could find you and your organization's work, um, your social media, website, that sort of thing? Yeah. So we go under, um, we call it UCAN, uh, which is short for Universal Healthcare Action Network. So U-H-C-A-N, Ohio, spelled out. So And uh, that's uh, .org is our website. Uh, that's usually our social media handle, whether that's uh, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, uh, you can find, usually find us by typing in U-H-C-A-N-O-H-I-O. So that's uh, where to catch us now. I think we've, uh, one of uh, my staff has talked about how we need to be on TikTok, but uh, 
I, I don't think we've arranged that quite yet. Yep. Meet the people where they are. I guess TikTok's the place, huh? <laughs> yep. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Steve. Yeah, thanks. I hope you enjoyed my conversations with Brittany and Steve. I think the resounding message and lesson here is to make sure that we are being inclusive and mindful and really just listening to these experts who have to navigate these systems and programs out of necessity to care for themselves and for their family. Um, I think we can take that lesson and really integrate that into our work as advocates. So if you would like to get connected with Noble or UCAN and their missions, um, I will make sure to leave all of their information in the show notes so that you can get involved. We will talk to you next time.